getting high On our own supply, we getting high On our own supply, hey, giving you the game All facts, no lies, Hello and welcome to High on Our Own Supply, a podcast sponsored by Confident Cannabis. I'm your host, Brad Bogus. Thanks for listening. This episode is a bonus episode from our COVID-19 special on retailers and delivery companies and how they're handling the supply chain during the crisis. If you're looking for the full episode with all three guests, go back to our show page and pick the one that isn't listed as a bonus episode. We had such great interviews with all three guests that we wanted to release them as their own unedited content. This third bonus episode features Alicia Wingard, founder and COO of Flora Terra, a micro-business and retail store in Santa Rosa in Northern California. At Flora Terra, they claim to have turned the old-school dispensary model on its head by curating a space for education, connection, and style. Engineered with the highest standards in green building, the environment at Flora Terra is inviting, open, and educational. They are also still proudly cultivating their own premium flower with proprietary methods from seed to sale. Here's how Alicia said they're holding up. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast, Alicia. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how um, how your company is dealing with the uh, COVID-19 crisis. So, you know, just in general, what is life for your company like during COVID? Um, it's, well, now, I mean, if, if we're talking about right now, things have finally, I feel like, started to become this as our new norm. But um, in the beginning, it was quite challenging. Um, I mean, everything changed immediately um, from that first notification from the Sonoma County Health Department stating that we were going to be, you know, in a shelter in place. And there was some confusing wording in there indicating that only medical facilities, uh, medical cannabis facilities would be allowed to continue operations and we're rec only. So there was this moment where I was in a pan- I was panicked. Um, mind you, we just yeah. opened back in September and it was such a, a oh rough, long road to get to where we are. So the thought of closing is devastating. Um, you know, not to mention, you know, not only are we retail, we also have, you know, thousands of plants in our facility being a, an onsite cultivation as well. Right. So it was absolutely devastating. We had an outpour of support from our customers. Um, that on that day, just an insane amount of sales took place. Um, we had, you know, I have customers coming in in tears, fearful of not having access because they are not going to be able to afford $150 to get their rec card and or their medical wow. card. Um, yeah. And, you know, one woman pleading with me, um, you know, to make sure that she could still have access because she is uh, a stage four terminal cancer patient. And has been shopping with us since September and let her card lapse. And it was this, you know, like moment of chaos. And in that moment, we decided um, that we felt like the wording was probably incorrect and that there may be an update. And we were just going to take that risk of remaining open because so many of the people that we um, serve here truly are utilizing cannabis for medicine. Um, So we stayed open. 
Yeah, I believe um, this has sort of exposed a bit of a problem between the way that we think of cannabis from a recreational slash medicinal standpoint. You know, the fact that we have these distinctions have some sort of historical precedent, but in this current time, uh, you know, especially during this this phase where there was this uncertainty before cannabis was deemed essential, you know, so many people on the recreational side of the market are using this medicinally. And to say that there is a medicinal market and a recreational market is sort of a misnomer, don't you think? I I completely agree with that. And um, I think the the big thing for me is just to see anytime we go into this state of crisis, and I feel like this has happened so much, particularly in Santa Rosa with, you know, having, you know, the Tubbs fire and then the Kincaid fire and like all these different fires around us, we go into this like hyper state of emergency um, our community has been devastated, and I have found that during these times, there's an increase in these new users, and they're coming over to our recreational facility. And I say that with air quotes as we're talking, <laughs> um, but they're seeking out, you know, cannabis to use it for, you know, stress, some anxiety relief, um, some, you know, help with sleep, um, and and really just trying to, you know, figure out how to find this natural solution to the problem that they're having versus turning to pharmaceuticals. So for us, when that first health order came out, we made that decision. We had a feeling that it was going to change. And sure enough, it did. Um, you know, a few short days later, the Sonoma County Health Department reissued their statement stating that we could, you know, any licensed cannabis facility would remain open. We had this incredible support from our governor. Um for cannabis, which yeah. other states, you know, kind of see, I believe, you know, as silly. Um, yeah, imagine but, being in Massachusetts right now. I know, I know, I know. So insane. Um, so w- we were able to stay open. We did have to make some immediate changes, and now we are available for curbside pickup only, which has its own set of challenges. Oh, so you're not allowed to have anyone in the store, uh, even following social distancing guidelines. That's correct. So um, even though any other essential business, including restaurants, um, are allowed to have people come in and pick up their orders, um, we're not. So my staff has been challenged with um, trying to, you know, in in a matter of one day, figure out how are we going to service our customers? Um, you know, how can we do this effectively? How can we do this efficiently and safe? Um, you know, maintaining safety, not only from the virus, but just the general safety of our employees. Now everybody's wearing masks and it just, there's like this certain level of uncertainty. So, you know, we've come out to a car to ask somebody, you know, if they've placed an online order and then walk them through that process um, or help them try to, you know, figure out what they're getting. And then it's like back and forth to the facility to, you know, get the goods, bring it out, collect a payment and, you know, it, it's definitely been challenging, but, um, you know, fast forward to May 8th today, where we are now, and we're able to, you know, people have, our customers are kind of accustomed to it. They've, you know, we've seen an increase in their patients with us because they know it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, we are a fairly small crew and, you know, we're doing the best we can. So that's no where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're like, what, 60 days in from uh, that first initial order coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now this just feels like the new normal. I mean, um, what other than having to adapt to this new curbside pickup um, system, what has been like one of the biggest challenges you faced or is that the biggest challenge you faced uh, since this crisis? 
No, I don't think that's the biggest challenge. I think for us, um, it's like the, the management of emotions, both mm. with our customers and internal with staff. Um, and then um, implementing a social distance protocol within our own facility. Um, mind you, we're a micro business. So we have cultivation, distribution, retail, nursery, all in one building. Um, when you have a room full of trim staff and they're all in one room, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to maintain that distance. Um, so, you know, we had to really take a look at how we could make this work and, you know, down to we're taping X's on the floor where your chair goes and, you know, we're, we're yeah. cleaning, um, the, like the entire facility, every doorknob and everything that somebody might touch is sanitized every hour, um, wow. just to try to maintain safety because we are a large crew. And so if one person in this facility goes down, I mean, I feel like we're all going down. So we really needed to um, implement these procedures. Uh, having this 72-hour policy of if you're sick, you have to be symptom-free for 72 hours. And that's really tough um, when you think about if you're sick on a Tuesday, not being able to return to work and yeah. um, you know, for, for a while. And that's just, it's not to be punitive in any way, but just to make sure that we're really protecting all of our staff. So I think that's totally. been, you know, the biggest challenge is trying to look at the bigger picture and realizing that in some departments production is going to slow down. Um, and, you know, especially if we have anybody out that they might feel ill. Um, we did have, you know, an employee that had to self quarantine. Um, so he was gone. We had another employee who's immunocompromised. So they have been out yeah. another employee who's pregnant. So she has been out. Um, so just trying to just manage all of those things as a startup <laughs> has been yeah, our I, biggest challenge. <laughs> the whole thing is the biggest challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, I sympathize with you. I can't imagine. Um, you know, I, you said earlier you're sanitizing every hour and I, I imagine it's challenging in general just to get the, um, the materials that you need and the supplies that you need to do that. But there was something else that you said that I, I think goes unsaid way too often, which is managing the emotions of your staff and your patients during this time. You know, we, um, we can adapt to circumstances, we can implement processes and, you know, usually handle that in a normal world, but we don't live in a normal world right now. And I think because of the, the stress, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the fear, uh, the craziness that's going on, you know, in, in other places in the United States and in the world, and we see it all happening all at once, the idea that we're going to be able to be normal during this new time is, is sort of, um, you know, that's, I think that's an expectation that most uh, business owners and, and people in general are just running with, but I, I don't think it's acknowledging the fact that there is this deep seated anxiety and concern that we're all living with in the backs of our minds, or maybe right at the front of our minds, uh, affecting how we think and how we act and how we perform. Um, I think that's a really good point to bring up. It absolutely is. And that just goes into, you know, just the, the mental health of everyone. And this is going to forever change how we view things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good segue into a, a question that I was going to say for the end, but I think right now is a good time to, to tackle it is um, what do you think life will be like post COVID for cannabis companies? Um, I think that everybody is going to take a moment to realize that specifically in cannabis facilities, we tend to like just cram people into these tight quarters, 
for working. Mm. And um, I feel like anytime there's cultivation involved, generally it's maximize your cultivation space. Mm. And then you have this tiny little working space um, for everything else. And so we've had to really look at it from that perspective of, wow, we really have a small working space for these people. And outside of COVID, if somebody just has the general flu or a cold or any of those things, like these are probably precautions we should be taking indefinitely um, just to maintain, you know, public, you know, the safety of our employees within the health and safety of our employees within our own facility. Um, Yeah. I mean, it seems like what was once seen as an advantage, which is maximizing space, optimizing, you know, for, for space is now a huge disadvantage. And um, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that we're going to go, on past this COVID crisis without those lessons learned in some way. I don't know that it's necessarily going to completely alter the way cannabis companies operate, but um, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever forget these lessons and and look at that space and see everything so tightly optimized for space and think, man, everything's great now. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And and you know, just being perfectly transparent, we were short staffed in our post harvest department when this all began. And had we been at full capacity, we would have had to have laid people off in order to maintain our six foot distance um, Mm. within those spaces, which is even, you know, for me would have been like a a worse situation to be in. Um, So I was I was grateful for the fact that we were short staffed and moving forward thinking, okay, well, maybe we need to be able to operate under, you know, at this staff level um, just because of the uncertainties moving forward. We don't know what's going to happen this fall. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, outside of just like the challenges, what have been the most interesting trends that you've seen in the last three to four weeks, either in patient behavior or within the supply chain itself? Um, patient behavior. I have seen an increase in new users like none other. We get people all walks of life, all ages, Um, people that are as old as my grandmother, my mother, down to, you know, the 21 year old who just had their birthday. Um, and they're coming in for a variety of reasons. Um, I do find new users typically tend to gravitate towards edibles. It feels like the safe option. Um, so, uh, that, that has been, you know, the biggest trend that I've seen there is just this surge in, um, new users looking for, you know, high CBD products to help them, you know, ease stress and anxiety or some pain. Um, so that's been, that's been one thing. So our edible sales have, you know, definitely gone up. Um, yeah. And then within the supply thing, the supply chain, I think one of the most interesting trends I've seen is these um, extraction companies utilizing their own resources to make hand sanitizer and I think right. that has been so amazing. And I love to see anytime our industry specifically is able to give back to communities. Um, it, it really does make me proud to see that, you know, although that company could have been utilizing that equipment to really drive revenue, they decided to utilize their equipment to help out the healthcare industry. Um, we had one particular company that, you know, or two companies actually that brought cases of um, individual hand sanitizers for our staffs so that our staff could have them for their cars. Um, At one point we were 
you know, kind of hoarding that because we were scared we were going to not have enough sanitizer for the facility. So we started using them, but then, you know, thank the hand sanitizer gods. We've (laughs) found gallons of sanitizer for, you know, this, the sanitizing stations that we've had to install throughout the facility. So those have been the the most interesting things I've seen. And, and like I said, I'm just really, um, I'm really proud of how this industry has stepped up. There's a, a a constant tension in the conversations around cannabis companies as to whether our community orientation, you know, as a as a a people who you know work within the industry, is stronger or our profit motives are stronger. And you know, certainly some companies operate only thinking about profits first, and and you know, um, and and operate in that sort of traditional industry kind of way. Um, we like to believe that cannabis companies are you know a lot more heartfelt and a lot more empathetic and, you know, are in it with the community to win together. It's really great to kind of see that, that suspicion confirmed in the actions of so many of the cannabis companies that have done what you've described. I agree. I, yeah, it, it makes me happy. Um, I think it's just a, a big shiny reminder of, you know, what we can do and what we can show the public, um, especially the people that, our questioning motives. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we are a business and we can choose to operate as a business that gives back to its community, or we can choose to operate as a business who only cares about profit. And so we tried to do, um, you know, just by having extended sales and compassionate care programs and offering, you know, deep discounts to those people in need, um, those types of things just within our own store. And we're seeing that replicated throughout the industry. So it's been very heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing about it is um, I've often said that doing the right thing and having that core ethos actually is a profitable decision to make. You know, um, it's not you don't make those decisions because you seek profits, but whenever you do right and whenever you form relationships like that extraction company did with your uh, retail store, uh, providing hand sanitizer to your workers for them to have in their cars, not just, you know, hey, we want to really make sure that we pump up our sales. So we want to make sure you like us. It's it's really just genuine care and that genuine care will be reflected in, um, you know, your, your company most likely promoting that brand's products or having a loyal relationship with them for a longer time than what they probably would have faced if they had just been a regular profit seeking extraction company. And I think more companies need to understand that doing good is not separate from profitability um, because the uh, consequence of doing good is profitability people see genuine authenticity whenever you really care and they want to reward that, whether they're consumers or businesses. That's hundred percent correct. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> um, you said that edibles have been up. Um, are there any particular uh, product categories within the edibles market that you're seeing um, that are increasing in sales, but previously had maybe been ignored or not desired or demanded? Drinks. Yeah, cannabis we've beverages, see, huh? Yeah, cannabis beverages. Um, we've seen an increase in uh, the use of cannabis teas have been another thing that have been been an increase in. And then, you know, on the opposite side of things, we're finding that like our, our wellness section in terms of like topicals have gone down. So I think people are just orally ingesting more. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny because I've been having a lot more back pain since working from home. So you would think that topicals would be would be up there, um, right? But and, if you're and, if you're if you're now taking a tincture, right, it's, right, you know, just you're it's just a different a different application. You're, you're now the that second. Goes in, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, I was going to say that kind of goes into like, I feel like a lot of people that use um, topical things are like, you know, using it after they were working out or they were, you know, at work and something happened to their body. Um, So it's like this physical stress. And I feel like we're just not getting that same level of, you know, physical exertion um, since most people are unable to do, you know, they're not going to the gym and they're not hiking and, you know, all these things are closed off to the world. So, yeah, it's a great point. Um, you, you're now the second company that I've heard mentioned that cannabis beverages have, have, have had a huge spike, which is so interesting considering that they were one of the most struggling categories, um, not just in edibles, but in all cannabis products prior to this outbreak. What, what do you think has been the reason why, uh, why beverages in particular are uh, in high demand? Um, I think there's just a variety of things you can do with those beverages, whether you're, you know, drinking the whole thing. I mean, we've, we have beverages in all different categories from a hundred milligram bottles to, you know, one milligram, yeah, 12 ounce bottles. So it's like, you can titrate these things. Um, if you're looking for a category where you can dose on a budget, you can buy a hundred milligram drink for, you know, pretty inexpensively and then titrate that into some bubbly water. And that's kind of, I I think we're also pitching it a little bit more. Um, and you get your 10 milligram dose from, you know, less than you could with others, you know, other edibles in particular. So. That's cool. And you saw a, a spike in new customers. Are you also seeing um, increased consumption? Um, you know, I know the uh, early on, a lot of people saw some bulk buying happening. Uh, people afraid that cannabis would not be deemed essential and uh, would have no access to it. So they hoarded it up a bit. Um, are yeah. you finding that those customers are still coming back at a semi-regular basis and continuing to buy in increased amounts? Um, you know, or is it just that you're seeing uh, new, new people coming to the table? Um, I think it's both. Uh, we've definitely seen an increase in sales overall, um, which, you know, is incredible for us being a new business. Um, we were really, really worried what this would do to us. And so to see that increase in sales remain consistent throughout this time, um, has been really incredible. Um, and we run a lot of, you know, reports and metrics on, like the percentage of new customers coming in versus our repeat customers. Um, and it's been an increase in both. So repeat customers are coming more frequently and we're seeing that increase in new customers. So it's been, it's been really interesting to see. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that people are home. Yeah. You're home, whether you're working from home or you're home with your children all day, a micro dose when you're home with your kids all day is a, is a fantastic dose to take it, you know, it takes, it takes the edge off, gets you a little bit more interested in what's going on. Uh, you know, have that moment to connect with your child, um, without feeling, you know, anxious about the house being completely wrecked. Right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it also goes back to that point you made earlier about, you know, the emotional uh, toil of this crisis. You know, I mean, um, I know personally speaking, I have increased my consumption quite a bit. uh, And, you know, to a certain extent, part of it is, you know, trying to numb me to the fear that I have of everything going on around me. So, you know, I need some coping mechanisms and cannabis certainly is a great one. 
Um, right. You know, and and I imagine anybody who finds themselves unemployed and anxious and afraid is, you know, going to be turning to a lot of different vices. But cannabis is really one of the, the greatest ones to turn to. So, yeah, I've, I've imagined increased consumption was happening across the board regardless. Yes, it truly is. And I think um, you're we're seeing that, you know, just talking to people um, throughout the industry, especially our vendors that are you know, doing all of our deliveries, all of our vendors are seeing an increase in sales as well. If the, if the retail shops are doing well, that means that the entire supply chain is being, you know, is, is seeing these increase in sales. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had one last question for you, um, you course. know, kind of related to that, which is, you know, the, the numbers are up in sales, which means that more product is moving. Um, outside of your own production chain, are you seeing your producers able to meet that demand or are you having to bring on new brands into your store that you previously weren't just to help fill the shelf where a producer might be, you know, lower in capacity? Um, we personally are not trying to bring on new cust like new products right now. And I think that just goes because like the, the reason that we made that decision was we brought on one product line initially and it just didn't do really well where we thought that if customers were in the store and they could actually see it, um, that it would have, it would have done quite well. Um, so I, I mean, I, I don't find that any of my vendors are having any issue meeting the demand. I do see maybe a lag in time to get it because the distribution companies are so overwhelmed with orders. So it's like the producers are able to produce, but that distribution chain, you know, it might take them, whereas I could have had my order in two days, it might take me four. So really planning appropriately has been, you know, incredibly important. Um, I find we're placing orders that are now triple what we were placing prior. Um, wow. And we're doing that intentionally, not because we're going to sell through it at that rapid of a pace, but just because we know that, you know, that that distribution sector might be a little delayed. Right. Yeah. So you're just planning ahead. Right. So the producers yeah. are still producing, but the distribution companies are definitely um, overwhelmed. Got it. Got it. Right on. Okay. Well, um, Alicia, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for uh, the time and the, the amazing answers. Thank you so much for having me. I really um, enjoyed the chat. So that's it for this bonus episode. Make sure and check out the other two bonus episodes related to the COVID-19 special on retailers and delivery companies. Every single one of those conversations was particularly interesting. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned because we are going to also be releasing a COVID-19 special focusing specifically on producers and that will be coming shortly. Thank you. High on Our Own Supply is hosted and produced by Brad Bogus. It is sponsored by Confident Cannabis. You can check out Confident Cannabis at wholesale.confidentcannabis.com. Our theme song is written by Tone Oliver. Check out Tone Oliver at toneoliver.com or on any of your music streaming apps like Spotify. Make sure and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Everybody worried about the ROI, just a little FYI, better improve them KPIs, can't forget about compliance, it's, it's a sign, it's time to get it started, turn it up, sit back, side, we're getting high, on our own supply, we're getting high, on our own supply, we're getting high, on our own supply, ayy.